Hello and welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Monica, daughter of Persephone. This week we're talking about chapters 29 through 36 of The Son of Neptune. After reading this week, I think I'd like to launch a formal complaint against Roman numerals. Mm. (laughs) Because I... I'm always like, I maybe it's just a complaint about myself that I should use a bookmark, but I've not been using a bookmark, and I'm like, oh, because we like keep track of which chapters we're doing on this, so I'm like, oh, I'll find chapter 29, and you know, once I've passed like 20, I'm like, oh, I don't know how to read Roman numerals anymore. <laughs> it's such a pain. It's honestly like, so I go through the book, and um, I have the Kindle version, Mm. and it separates it by chapter but it doesn't have any descriptors so I go to the table of contents to click with chapter and I'm like I have no idea just a bunch of (laughs) x's and lines at this point I'm like who do you think I am (laughs) I know I mean I especially have a vendetta against roman numerals because I had like a coding challenge a couple months back where it was like, oh, you know, take Roman numerals and convert them into, like, actual integers. Um, Remembering these rules of, like, if there is two I's before the V, it subtracts, but if it's after the X and all of that stuff. So I, like, had to sit in there and build a program, and I was like, this is so stupid. (laughs) Why? It should have prepared you for these chapters. I know, you'd think, but then I just have my little button. I click the little green button and it does it for me, so I never have to think about it again. Wow, technology. Amazing. Shout out. (laughs) Speaking of technology, guess who we get to meet? Who are we meeting this week? (laughs) It's our man, Jeffrey Bezos, but it's not. Apparently, he's actually the queen of the Amazons. (laughs) No, that's a front for him. Or he's the front. He's the face of is he, That's the face they chose. They couldn't yeah, have chosen not a good choice. any other face. I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's going to be something fun we get to do in Seattle, these chapters. And then we're going to head over to Canada to finally solve the Zhang family gift mystery and fight some hungry ogres. <laughs> The ogres keep coming back. They for keep us. coming. They're also not earthborns in these. They're the oh. right. They're they're yeah. Because the, the earthborn are the earthborn the same thing as the last Tr- Trigonian giants. I don't think so. I don't know because <laughs> I mean, I don't know because they're introduced as Canadians again in this. Oh yes, yeah, just like in. PJO series. Yeah. yeah. Which book were they in? Were they um, in the, have I forgotten everything I've ever read? I know. I mean, well, it all kind of blurs together. It's like you kind of separate the two series as their own entities. Yeah. Hold on. Oh, they appeared they in later. Sea of Monsters. Oh, okay. So see. Oh, they and were I, with the dodgeball. Oh, yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you see, the, all the big books, like, they start the exact same to remember they which do. monsters yeah. harass Percy Jackson at his educational time. is <laughs> hard yes. to decide, yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's all right. get into these chapters. A lot's going on. Okay, so I got the Hazel chapters, chapters 29 through 32. Also, there's no... It's the Hazel and Frank episode. There's no Percy in this episode. Mm-mm. We have to get through it. Actually, these chapters are entertaining. It's yeah, fine. they're I'm just being dramatic. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so chapter nine opens up with the group of them back on the boat with Ella now, and as they sail, Frank keeps Hazel's spirits up by telling her silly jokes. One of which is, "Why did the Minotaur cross the road?" And Rick doesn't give us an answer, but I think everyone knows it's because he's trying to see me. <laughs> <laughs> so he decides to risk traffic to see you like that's how it i know the correct answer is because he went to go and get another piercing at claire <laughs> you're right <laughs> but maybe i was also there I maybe was you were the piercer at claire's the entire <gasps> time oh my gosh that's how i know that he's been shopping there i was trying to keep my secret identity <laughs> and it's just fallen away 
But anyway, the Minotaur was going to Claire's seeing me. We don't know. Mm. He has a very busy life. So Hazel is reflecting as Frank is trying to cheer her up on how much he's grown into his role as a child of Mars over the last week. He's like a leader now. So she decides to open up to Frank about her past and tells him about how she escaped from the underworld and like was born in the 40s and all the stuff that happened with her mom and Gia. Percy and Ella are listening in, of course, because the boat is like two feet wide, but Mm -hmm. she's mostly talking to Frank. And Percy begins to ask why she didn't go to Elysium for standing up to Gia because we know she was just kind of like wandering the fields of Asphodel in the underworld. And Hazel's like, no, please don't ask me this. It's going to trigger a memory. And too late, she slips into a memory. I feel like we need like... Right, some some music. Sam! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some portal music, you know? Yeah. Like whatever it's just Danny us going is. like, <laughs> but just everyone's covering their ears because it's yeah. a horrible sound to hear. I'm so sorry. Getting closer and closer to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so there Hazel is on Karen, Karen, Karen's boat. Karen. Crossing, <laughs> Karen. Yeah. Crossing Percy's favorite place to take a bath, the River Styx. Except what's different this time is that Frank was somehow sucked into the memory with her. That is not really explained how that worked, but we're rolling with it. She's just like, oh, hello, Frank. Welcome to my trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why none of these characters can just have a conversation about their trauma. Like, I get it. It's not interesting (laughs) for Rick to be like, hey, what if they communicated with each other their backstory and I tell the reader their backstory while they're telling their friends their backstory. It's like, it has to happen via dream. It has to happen in a monologue. It has to happen during a blackout session. Like, (laughs) yep, it's never easy. Because we don't know the trauma either. Like, we're like, we don't know why Hazel didn't go to Elysium. We're with Percy on this. And then it's like, let's show. And also, Frank needs to develop his relationship with Hazel. So, Uh, Frank gets sucked into the trauma. (laughs) And, yeah, she doesn't really question it. She's just like, I guess you're here now, too. And she's like, this is my memory of my fate being decided by the judges of the underworld. They watch past Hazel ask the judges where her mother is, and the judges say that her mom gets eternal punishment for aiding a god, like an ancient god, like Mm. Gia, and that Hazel can have Elysium since she stood up to Gia, and Hazel protests and the judges are like, we have to put the blame somewhere. So instead of Hazel getting Elysium and her mom getting eternal punishment, they settle on both Hazel and her mom getting Fields of Asphodel. Which is, like, quite a big thing for Hazel to take, especially considering her mom was pretty shitty to her for her whole life. Yeah. Like, damn. Just in the last ten seconds was like, hey, by the way, this is our heart-to-heart, and now we're all dead. Yeah. And also, this is, like, you can bargain. Again, Elysium is rigged. It's all rigged. I don't think her mom even deserves eternal punishment. Her mom was being, like, manipulated from the very beginning. Hmm. Gonna get some new... Who are those judges anyway? bunch of old dead white guys yes just like our judges anyway um (laughs) because hazel was a daughter is a daughter of pluto she never forgot who she was as she wandered aimlessly like most people do and this really upsets frank like he has a really strong reaction here and he's like you didn't deserve to be punished and she's like well um I did. I'm sorry for showing you the memory. I'm sorry for putting this burden on you. And he's like, no, don't apologize. It's a good thing to share burdens. Let me share mine with you. (laughs) And so he tells her about the firewood. And that whole background with how, you know, he's going to die when if it burns, blah, blah, blah. And then Frank asks Hazel to carry the firewood around for him to share the burden. And Frank's in... Hazel, like, immediately is like, Frank, you know who I am. I'm Pluto's daughter. Everything I touch goes wrong. Why would you trust me? And Frank says, you're my best friend. I trust you more than anybody. And then Nico arrives in the memory, takes ha- in the memory and takes Hazel away. And then, like, the flashback ends. And Hazel and Frank are sucked on out, back to the boat. <laughs> One of my notes here. I want to know what you think. What do you think of uh, Frank giving the firewood to Hazel? I mean, 
I know you have feelings about it. I think I have opposite feelings than you. Wait, what I are think... your feelings? I have both sides of feelings. Mm. This is <laughs> we a problem have actually I have. more than one feeling about this. <laughs> I'm only allowed to have one. I know. It's like a ration on my feelings. I kind of wish that sometimes. I think that we. Te- <laughs> I know. I think. I think that we accidentally went too far to one side of being like you can never burden anyone else with your own problems. Like by exposing your em- emotional vulnerabilities, you are burdening that other person, and therefore you are a bad person. When we started like understanding what emotional labor was, mm-hmm. and I think that um, this isn't really that. I mean, it is weird. That yeah. he chose this moment to be like, by the way, let's make it about me again. But at the same time, I do understand that um, when someone, she's being very vulnerable. He's seeing like the deepest parts of her trauma and who she thinks that she's a bad person and that she deserves punishment. And in that moment, he's like, no, I trust you so much. This is how much I trust you. And they find this balance of like trust and love and friendship which I thought was nice like it makes sense also the idea that he carries around his own little stick um that is like about to burst into flames is not a great model and I'm glad he's adapting to other blueprints so it makes sense I don't know I'm not mad about it no I honestly agree I feel like I wrote down a lot of conflicting thoughts Mm. in part because the problem not the problem the gift of looking at social media dms is that i see every single thought on it which i really appreciate and then the problem is that i am i am i am doing too much nuance sometimes you know (laughs) that's a backtrack no nuance anymore no just kidding um yeah i honestly i like what you said about like the problem with the conversations around emotional labor and like boundaries too because i feel like as a society, some people just use that topic to be a bad friend or a bad person. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like everyone's going to be toxic at some point. Like if someone is going through a moment or like needs support, like that doesn't necessarily mean they're being like a toxic person and you should cut them off. There's yeah. like a yeah, there's like a definitely like an analysis you have to do of like is this person's relationship with me inherently toxic or are they just having a bad moment or do they just need support which i'm like here i'm like frank just needs a little support and hazel did too and they're giving it to each other um yeah my one thing is like hazel doesn't directly consent and also at the same time in her internal monologue she like her anxiety about it isn't about having the burden but it's about not being good enough to have the burden like she's not thinking i don't want this she's thinking like i am not the person for this because i suck and frank giving it to her is like an like proving to her that she is not a cursed a cursed person despite her gem curse so yeah yeah and i i I am very much against the whole like i don't know that friendship is performative Mm, that each mm -hmm. moment has to be perfected and then you can rate review and subscribe you know what I mean like that's not how it works you're gonna have moments of friendship that isn't ideal and because you as a person are going to have moments where you don't act like the best version of yourself but just being able to reflect on that is important so in this moment maybe it wasn't the I don't know it, it may be not the best moment but at the same time when someone is giving you a lot of information sometimes and like really being vulnerable sometimes it helps eases the the tension if you are also immediately equally vulnerable so they're like yeah they don't feel like they're just dumping a lot of information on you because like right now frank is in one of hazel's worst yeah. moments and watching it happen and watching it happen to her and watching it affect her and she's taking it a very much like fact that that she deserved this that the punishment she was given was fair because you know she was a bad person a bad child she's cursed blah 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 and frank's like yo like let's change the narrative i don't know i think that it's uh it's important to remember that it's not super i don't know i guess this is this is fiction so it's not like, that deep. It's not that deep. <laughs> and also the fact that like obviously you can write perfect friendships because it's fiction and some a man is sitting down and writing it however method he's writing it. But yeah. if it's going to reflect real life, like it's going to be a bit messy. And 
and you know they can address it later yeah and like the burdens people ask of each other in any kind of relationship are never going to be like equal Mm -mm. you know like what if one person's going through it it's not like their friend is going to be like I gotta bring up all my things too to even it out like you're gonna yeah and it's more like that can become toxic if it's a pattern of behavior and that's like kind of an individual relationship type thing but I don't see that here with Frank and Hazel and I think the reason some people I think have problems with it is because they do end up in a romantic relationship and Mm. stereotypically like there's the idea that like women often have to do more of that burden carrying for men and the added layer of Hazel being a black woman who mm. often get burdened more, especially in like media, often with like the supportive black best friend stereotype, which I know someone like DM'd us their thoughts on that. And so I was like, that's a super good point. And I think mm-hmm. that that's like also valid. And I like yeah. the idea that like this, like no relationship in fiction is going to be like perfect. And no. I don't personally find Frank and Hazel's dynamic unhealthy i don't remember enough of it but i don't remember it being unhealthy either yeah but like if people do then they do i mean there's probably people out there who think percy and annabeth are unhealthy Mm. which (laughs) even though they're the blueprint for love also my other thought on this is that i read this part and i was like why am i like kind of swooning over this and i was like i know it's because it reminds me of orlando bloom giving his heart in a box to kira knightley which is the blueprint for romance oh she didn't consent to it she just took it because she knew she owned that shit you know i know that's true she was the pirate king anyway she was the pirate those Mm, movies are good except i did rewatch them i wouldn't really recommend the second one it's quite racist (laughs) yeah i don't know what happened in like skip the the second one please (laughs) early 2010s but like they just decided to become the most racist i yeah rewatching like modern family and stuff or even how i met your mother i'm like oh Oh my gosh yeah Like, I'm like, all the love for those media things I grew up with and can quote, but there are, like, I can't rewatch about half of How I Met Your Mother anymore. because I'm like, And sometimes I find things only funny with the knowledge that Neil Patrick Harris is a gay man. Yes, honestly. I'm like, if that was played by, like, it makes it funnier that Barney is so horribly straight and sexist, but I'm like, that shouldn't be funny. I don't know. know. I'm a bad feminist. Sometimes we all are. Oh recommend that book by Roxanne Gay. <laughs> Bad feminist, good book. Do you know what this reminded me of? The the trauma sharing. <laughs> yeah. What? In this like very like just like explosively kind of like verbal diarrhea kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever experienced like like a preteen girl sleepover. Oh no. <laughs> this is like what I think of where one person it's like it becomes late enough in the night when the one person just kind of like trauma dumps and immediately triggers every single person in the Do room. You rem- to are you thinking dump? of the same sleepover I am? <laughs> um, may- maybe. There was I'm sure one in particular there. after a after our Tolo. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. I don't oh, that was a I'm, lot of trauma. There was a lot going on at that point. Yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah. it was a lot. We gave each other our sticks. <laughs> we did. <laughs> you, me, and another person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Anyways, anyway, moving on. I see. Yeah. We actually do kind of agree with this. Just my notes were kind of just putting down every possible viewpoint. <laughs> Yeah. So I could be prepared, which again is a problem that I have sometimes. You know, nuance mm, taken nuance. too far. Self-awareness <laughs> sometimes taken too far. Like maybe I shouldn't be this self-aware. <laughs> okay, chapter 30. Hazel wakes up in Seattle. Ella tells Hazel that she won't have any more blackouts now that she shared. Because sharing is caring. It's very convenient for Hazel. And Hazel's kind of like, okay, I guess. Like, that's all I had to do. I could have done that much earlier. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Hazel also now woke up with the stick in her pocket, despite, like, never really actually taking it or agreeing to take it in the memory. Though, like, I had in parentheses, like, she seems willing. Like, she's not upset necessarily that she has it, but she's just not sure. Like, she does. she's not confident in her ability to keep it safe because... She has the whole cursing gems problem. 
Percy then brings up that they're stopping to see Reyna's sister, and Ella drops the bomb that Hilla is an Amazon. Ella goes off, is like, I'm gonna go buy some books. I kind of want to be Ella a little. Like, I her know. energy is just, like, dropping truth bombs and then leaving and doing yeah. her own thing. So Ella goes off to buy her books, and the others search for the Amazons. And then they find the great creation of our gentrification king, CEO entrepreneur, Jeffrey... Jeffrey Bezos. Uh, yeah, the Amazons are literally at the Amazon headquarters, which I still think is really funny. There's so many implications here. So the Amazons <laughs> went to space, or allegedly tried to go to space. <laughs> it's so much funnier now, because this was what, like 2012 or something? When was this yeah. book written? No, yeah, 2011. And so Amazon has just like takes up a lot more space in our, uh, our, the zeitgeist, if you will. <laughs> I hate that word. And Amazon is just, like, people are much more aware of it, and yeah. also they're way more rich now than they were in 2011. So this is even funnier now. <laughs> that well, they're, like, what are they doing all this stuff for? <laughs> it's extra funny because he was, like, I mean, it lined up perfectly. They're going to Seattle, Amazons. It's funny. It's a clever little pun thing. But um, imagine if he was like Amazon, they work at Microsoft. Like, what else does he Or Starbucks? <laughs> they're all working at Costco. <laughs> Amazon's right there. And <laughs> like, did the Amazons open up all those four star stores? You know, like, are they doing? Did they buy Whole Foods? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> they have Amazon Video now. They don't pay their taxes. You know what it is. <laughs> Classic. Classic. <laughs> So I also figured we'd do a little Greek myth background on the Amazons for anyone who isn't familiar with this myth because we this is the first time we're like actually introduced to them in this these books. All right, so um, the Amazons are were this amazing group of female warriors that were like get this equal to men in strength and agility in combat. It's like no revolutionary. Way. Yeah, they were like no way incredible. Their first but men queen. are the superior sex, according to Freud. <laughs> well, Freud, who we now like... agree with. <laughs> That's true. I'll actually get into um, some of the the interpretations of the Amazons because it was quite funny to read about. Okay. Okay. Um, their first queen was the offspring. Is like they don't we don't know for sure. Some stories is that she's the offspring of Ares and the nymph um, Harmonia, but other stories is that she's the lover of Ares, which also mm. like makes sense because she's like you know loves war um so there's a it's super interesting there's debate on whether the amazons are based off of other nomadic peoples like in india persia or egypt and that the greeks may have encountered them and like um just like a more of a um what's the word i'm looking for i don't know matriarchal society mm. that's like a um that was warrior based, which is doesn't it's not mm. unheard of, especially in that time period in those areas. But um, mm -hmm. they don't seem to exist at all. You know, women aren't really considered anything but property in ancient Greece. So mm. also this idea that while they don't really have men living amongst them, they don't have any animosity against men that we actually see in the media. They show mm. Amazons are like equivalent of the hunters of Artemis. They just mm -hmm. start just kind of like, we do our own thing. Like, we have, like, we date around, but, like, we don't need men. Mm -hmm. My favorite yeah. things I read is that um, one of the, I don't remember who it was, but one of the ancient scholars was basically, did they, he did a dissection of the Amazons. And he's like, well, since I've never seen something like that, a woman who was strong and or equal to a man, I think that they're fake. And I think that there actually were a mistake that they're actually men <laughs> that that these other men thought were women and so wow. that's the only explanation that he had <laughs> and there's even debate whether this scholar was real or not like he could have been oh. a fictional character too because everything is lost right it's just writings of writings of writings but i thought that was so funny it's like you don't, you just like, well, because I've never seen it with my own eyes. Therefore, this is the only explanation that's plausible. I love that. I love mm -hmm. how, how wide his horizons are. Wow. I know. I just love human nature and how it never changes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I love mm. to see how far we've come, I which know. is like two steps. And then one step backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So they are greeted by an employee named Kinsey, and when they tell her that they're here to speak or to see Hilla, she immediately pulls out a sword and says, First rule, males don't speak without permission. Second rule, trespassing on our territory is punishable by death. You'll meet Queen Hilla, all right. She'll be the one deciding your fate, which is just it's like iconic. a big overreaction. <laughs> it's like, a, hey, yes. It can is. I talk to your mom? And just like pulls out a sword. <laughs> yeah. I just want to talk to the manager. Like, <laughs> so Kinsey leads them down into the warehouse, which is uh, the the Amazons basically use Amazon.com to as a like to fund their kingdom. So I guess Jeff Bezos is their front. Which again, why would they choose the weird Eggman to be their front? But all right. And the men, men also work there, but as slaves with iron oh, collars around their necks, which is, I had in my notes, I was like, I find this simultaneously really funny and really cringy, you know? Yeah. Like, funny on first read and then like, ugh. Because it's kind of the similar problem I had with the hunters as the Amazons, like, with the man-hating of it all. Like, how it relies on two genders and equates gender with biological sex and, like, feels kind of turfy. Like, I'm like, do the Amazons include trans people or non-binary people? We don't know. It feels a little turfy. Um, And yet, also, like, these are, at least Hilla is a woman who's been traumatized by men and pirates. Back to Pirates of the Caribbean, I guess. We're just going back. And, like, I'm like, she has a right to, like, hate men, but also... All of these. It's interesting how Rick does this with both Hunters of Artemis and the Amazons, how he makes them like comedically man hating. Like it's like a funny thing and essentializes gender as well. It just, I feel kind of like weird when I read it. Mm. Yeah. Those are my thoughts on it. And at the same time, I find it, it is written really comedically. So I guess I'm back to my nuance. <laughs> it's returned to me. I just like, I, it's always so boring to me when you, in order to have a, like a society that is so matriarchal and just like women dominated, it has to then be man-hating. It can't like, God yeah. forbid, men just aren't talked about. Like they have to still be in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Like why... Yeah, why does that? Why does it have to be like the complete opposite? Why can't gender just like not exist? Yeah, which I like that apparently like the original Amazon myth was like they didn't really hate men; they just didn't live with them. You know? Yeah, they were not. They they were like known to like date around and you know have relationships and do their own thing and stuff. They just like in their society didn't live with men, and yeah, men didn't exactly. like, weren't really like. Wasn't that, and I'm sure, like, to counteract the aggressive, like, you must be men in disguise, people, they had to, in the myth, like, be against men being near them, but, like, not in the yeah. same violence that I think that they're shown, like, here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So they then find Queen Hilla wearing a tight black leather jumpsuit, which, like, damn girl. Mm. And behind her, Hazel spots a horse. You know, Hazel's, like, horse girl sensors are going off, and she's like, what is that? It's the very same horse that she chased in Alaska the day she died. And apparently this is a horse named Arion, royal treasure of the Amazons, to be claimed only by the most courageous warrior, which is kind of random that Hazel had seen this horse before. They have some kind of special connection. The horse also has a lot of behavioral problems, and no one really can get near it. Why can't a horse story just have, like, a horse that doesn't have any behavioral problems and a girl who doesn't have a traumatic past, and they just, like, chill, and so they need to trauma bond? (laughs) It's always, like, the horse that is, like, the bad horse, and then the girl who's always wanted a horse. Mm -hmm. The horse that couldn't be tamed. And, like, her parents are, you know, her parents are getting divorced, and she Mm -hmm. needs a friend during this time. She just moved to a new farm. (laughs) Did you ever watch, um racing stripes the one with the zebra i think i did i think i saw that in freaking theaters at some point honestly that's more fun like at least make it not a horse (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Make it interesting. Make it a literal zebra. <laughs> and it's, everyone's like, well, you know, it's not built for racing. And still they put it in a race. <laughs> and the girl's like, I can teach them the ways. <laughs> can reconstruct its body type. Yeah. <laughs> so... Hazel just notes this horse and is like, that's really weird. That's the very same horse that I saw and was chasing. And Hilla then notices Percy in the room and immediately is like, I hate you. Because she remembers the whole leaving her to pirates thing. And so Percy shows her the ring from Reyna and she agrees to at least hear them out. Hazel fills her in on the details of the quest and how Reyna needs their help. And Hilla agrees to talk with Hazel privately, since Hazel's a female, and sends the boys to the holding cell. <laughs> Straight to jail. Straight to jail. And she then tells Hazel that they've got to be quick, because by midnight, she fears she'll be dead. Mm-hmm. So chapter 31. It turns out the Amazons are on the brink of a civil war. Gia brought back a Amazon named Otrera from the dead, who was a legend amongst the Amazons, and is now sowing discontent um, with the Amazon loyalties. Hilla may be forced down from her queenship and killed because Otrera has challenged her to a duel to fight for the throne at midnight, and they, like, fight till the death. But the problem being is that Otrera will just come back from the dead if she dies, and, like, if Hilla were to die, Gia wouldn't send her back. And since Gia has Thanatos changed and gets to control who goes back through. And so during this conversation, Hazel just keeps looking at the horse. They're having a connection. Hazel's like, you're a lost soul like me. (laughs) And she sees that horse, and Horace Girl is extraordinaire. She decides to, against Hilla's warnings, walk over to him and feed him some gold. Because apparently he eats gold. Mm. Bougie. Apparently. This is a big deal. Because the last girl who tried to feed Arion got her arm bitten off, and Hazel is perfectly fine, and the horse has clearly taken a liking to her. And Hilla and Kinsey are like, oh my gosh, Arion has chosen Hazel as his warrior. And Hilla is then like, you're cool, we like you. And offers Hazel her help, and tells her to steal an Amazon card, (laughs) and free Percy and Frank, and that the Amazons working for her will help them. The problem is that Otrera's people, since the Amazons are all divided, are the ones who are guarding the cells with Percy and Frank, so Hilla can't just, like, free them. And also, Hilla says that she will leave the, like, throne room unguarded, which is where the horse is, so that Hazel can take Arion and escape once she gets Percy and Frank out of their cells. So chapter 32, like a badass, Hazel fights guards and steals their Amazon cards to free Frank and Percy. She keeps making a ton of jewels pop up and attack the Amazons that are working for Otrera, and Hazel takes them to Arion, who also Percy can understand since, remember, he speaks hearse, horse? Hearse. <laughs> hearse. I speak hearse. That's like the goth version. That's what Nico speaks. Hearse. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, also the horse is, like, swearing a bunch and being a dick. <laughs> and... And Percy is like, I'm not going to repeat what he just said, which is very funny. They then attach a chariot to Arion, because what doesn't Amazon have? And they break free into the lobby, find Ella, and then Arion goes light speed, which he can also do, and speeds out of Seattle. Do you think Arion's, like, saying slurs and stuff? Honestly, I wonder. Because he's (laughs) apparently also, like, specifically insulting Frank. I'm like, um, what's going on? I mean, maybe he's insulting Percy, too. But, I mean, he loves Hazel. So he's not going to insult Hazel. She's the one girl who could tame him. Okay. I just, I mean, like, like, yeah, He's definitely saying some problematic (laughs) shit. (laughs) The horse sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, my notes, I've gone over a lot of them. My note, but I thought... In line with the Amazons, uh, like, Hilla and Kinsey mention that they still date men. And they're like, oh, we don't hate them. We just want them to know who's in charge. Which is so funny. I'm like, big top energy coming mm. from these Amazon women. Incredible. <laughs> I respect that. Like, clearly you do kind of hate them because you have them in chains. But like, okay, mm-hmm, maybe okay. if they consent, maybe it's like a, maybe it's their little thing, you know? I know, maybe it's like a kink, you know? Not shaming, Yeah, maybe it's a kink. But... If the men are all, like, down for it, I mean... I get it. 
want to be bossed around by some big Amazon women. You know who really gets it? It's Leo. He, this is his paradise. Oh, this is Leo's heaven. He would be like, oh no, don't chain me up. (laughs) (laughs) You want me to do whatever you tell me to? Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) You're three times my height. Oh no. This, I have not fantasized about this ever. (laughs) If Leo was here, the mission would have just, he would have just become one of the men. I know. <laughs> Gil would be like, I picked you particularly. There's a reason, like, Frank and Percy are the only ones there. I mean, I could see Frank, uh, no, not he's quite. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not as much of a, like, what's the word? Is it masochist or sadist? The one who wants to, Leo wants to be hurt by a woman. It's masochist, yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah. word. Frank doesn't. No. And Percy only wants to Percy. be hurt by Annabeth. <laughs> only Annabeth. <laughs> I mean, despite the fact that these are children. Um... Yeah, I mean like emotionally hurt. <laughs> yes, <know>? that's true. <clears throat> All right, so Frank, chapters 33 through 36. So, chapter 33, Frank has felt motion sick the entire time they've been on this chariot and is kind of relieved when the wheels start finally falling off. The horse has sped through Puget Sound, through Highway 99, and is getting close to Vancouver. Unfortunately, the chariot can't really hold for that long, and they have to land before it fully falls apart. Arion then goes to leave to find some food, and Percy and Hazel salvage their things from the chariot. Frank feels like a huge weight has been lifted from his shoulders, sharing that vision with Hazel and giving her his firewood, which I was like, as I was typing, I was like, shout out to Robert for making me cringe (laughs) as I wrote that sentence. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Damn it, Robert. (laughs) He feels um, close to her and he feels like he understands her better and she understands him. But now that he's seen the underworld and the concrete weight of someone's actions, like the consequences of their actions, it's making him feel like he needs to make sure he does something actually heroic before he dies. He notices that he's actually really close to his grandmother's house and he suggests that they go that way. Unfortunately for him, there's an ogre camp right in front of the Zhang mansion. Stopping to point out, I'm just like, I have to point out that the ogre woman is described as wearing a leather bikini. <laughs> and as all these, he's like, oh, the men are wearing just like, you know, loincloths or leather skirts or, you know, the typical. And then all the women are wearing leather bikinis. And I'm just like, why, Rick? To Fiona? Why would you do that in her own swamp? This is why the Minotaur crossed the road to get away <laughs> from these terrifying ogre women and or to get bikinis. closer. That's true. We don't yeah. know what the Minotaur is into. into. Yeah. yeah. Besides me. <laughs> are you saying? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> what are we connecting the dots here to? Did okay. I just call myself an ogre <laughs> in a biki- leather bikini? <laughs> hey, you're a hot female yeah. lady ogre. Yeah, just call me Fiona. (laughs) Just really putting those, like, gender-specific clothing options together. Hot female ogre looking for Minotaur. (laughs) (laughs) Must come with pierced nose. I hate it. Only wear fruit of, what is it, fruit of the loin. Yeah, fruit of the loom. Loom, that's what it is now. That makes more sense. It's a little better, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, these guys are the Lestragonians from our previous PJO series that we talked about earlier. Remember the cannibals who um, Annabeth called the Canadians? Well, Percy remembers this out loud, which fully offends Frank, who's also Canadian. (laughs) He's like, how do you, how are they... Anyway, Canadian, besides the fact they live here, how could you, like, say that? And I took that personally. He, he took that very personally. Perse- Percy remembers that they killed him with celestial bronze, but that was before death was kidnapped, so things have gotten a bit more tricky. Frank uses the tip of his spear and calls his old buddy Grey to come and help them. Remember, 
uh, Percy and Hazel have no idea this is how he defeated the serpents earlier. So they are stunned when Grey doesn't follow directions and instead starts stabbing all the ogres with his own ribs, which I thought was like metal as fuck. He just like takes them out and stabs them. And he stomps on the ashes of any ogres trying to reform. Frank kind of notes that maybe Hazel looks a bit disgusted that he did this and that he's using these powers, but he doesn't really have time to stop and explain because his grandmother may be in trouble. So chapter 34 starts with Bing getting to the front door and Frank is surprised how coming home has launched back his grief of losing his mother. He's like, but it's been so long. It's been six whole weeks. I was like, my man. That is no time at all. No. He's like a poor like little like 15, 16 year old. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. The house is abandoned, which seems incorrect. Grandmother has a maid who comes in every day to clean, but there are dirty dishes piled in the sink. Um, and Frank is also like noting that maybe the Frank, could, I mean, that the maid couldn't get through the, you know, thick pile of ogres outside the door. <laughs> the leather clad ogres. Or leather, <laughs> the kinky, the kinky ones. Yeah. <clears throat> she just shows up to, the maid shows up to work and is like, nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm go, I'm out. They go up to Frank's room, which he's a bit embarrassed to have lots of pictures of his mom up. He's like, I'm 16. That's embarrassing. And I'm like, buddy. <laughs> pal but i was like okay they go check the other bedrooms are empty and finally go to his grandmother's room she's laying in bed looking frail and mars is in the corner just chilling of course the others can't see him so frank tells the others to take the other bedrooms and go take a shower and get some rest and let him have a bit of alone time with his grandmother Mars is understanding that why Frank doesn't want him as a father. War is evil, it kills people, but he also personally believes it's very inevitable. War finds everyone eventually. He says that grandma has been dying for a couple weeks, but has been holding on so she can see him. She knew he was coming back since there are ogres camped outside waiting for him to return. Mars explains that Gia is actually most afraid of him. Frank doesn't understand. To Frank, Percy is the most powerful and the coolest person he has ever seen. So he's like, well, of course Gia's afraid of Percy the most. And Mars corrects him. He says that Gia believes that she can control Percy and all the others have of the seven, which Frank is like, what does that mean? I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> but the other seven all have weaknesses that she thinks that she can exploit. But Frank is a different story. She really doesn't want Frank to be one of the seven, which is why she sent the ogres here to wait for him. What do you think the weaknesses are? I was just thinking about that. What are their weaknesses? Annabeth is her hubris and a mix of Percy. Percy's obviously his fatal flaw. It's Annabeth. It's Annabeth. (laughs) It's honestly anyone he kind of maybe likes and even dislikes. (laughs) He will sacrifice everything for any other human. Yeah. Or creature that he thinks is a bit pitiful. Um, Leo is his self-confidence. Jason is the fact that he keeps getting bonked in the head. He definitely has head trauma. (laughs) Some brain damage, yeah. Piper's is that she's, um, a bit insecure, probably. Yeah. Yeah, This is honestly kind of similar to Leo's, yeah. Yeah. Just a different, a different section of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hazel's is that she believes that she's inherently bad. Yeah. 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 Mm Mm-hmm. So Oof. I think that's the that's the group. That's the squad right there. Squad problems. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so his grandmother is bait, and so after he talks to her, it will it's likely that the ogres will attack them all in the morning. Something that Mars is actually pretty indifferent to. He's like, I can't help. I don't interfere with my children's problems. I'm like, you clearly are here. I hate all of the gods. Anyway. Yeah. Frank goes through his family. So then Mars coaches Frank through his family history, which I'll bullet point for us because it's like a really roundabout story. So Periclemenus. Perry. Perry was a Greek prince and also um, an Argonaut who died fighting Hercules. And we remember we mentioned him earlier in the series, um, in this book. He came up uh, when I think Frank was talking to Nico. Mm-hmm. Anyway, something about his family. Something about his family. He had some sort of gift from the gods, and he was described that he fought like a swarm of bees, whatever that means. They move on from that. <laughs> At some point, his family moves to China. Uh, Seneca Grouchus, also known as, known as Sangao, was captured by the Parthians, 
who is mm-hmm. then captured by the Chinese. So it's kind of a, a, a flip back and forth. And so they end up settling in their roots, in their ancestral home, Li Zhen, or Legion. <laughs> I was like, please, Rick, I beg of you, stop writing from other <laughs> cultural perspectives. <laughs> Anyway, <clears throat> so Sung Gao also had the family gift where he fought, fought dragons um, because he himself was considered the most powerful dragon of all. Again, no more explanation on that. The family immigrated to North America and got involved with Camp Jupiter, and that's where we are now. So Mars asks Frank if he finally understands his gift. He will need to use it against the ogres tomorrow, and Frank says yes, but we later found out that he does not. Yeah. Mars. <laughs> Mars. I mean, he, there's no explanation. He just goes through his family story and was like, yeah, you get it now, right? I'm just use your words, Mars. Yeah. Mars says that his grandmother will wake up in the morning, give him some advice, and then die. <laughs> Mars is pretty crass, and Frank is disgusted to have him as a father, honestly. Still, Mars tells him that he's super powerful and strong. He tells him per- Percy's fatal flaw, which I think is really shitty. People just like love to give out Percy's fatal flaw, like it's candy. Yeah, it's it's everyone's favorite. <laughs> I know it's a good gossip. He's like, oh, Percy's too loyal to his friends, and um, it's going to be his downfall. In fact, Percy will need Frank and Frank's sense of duty in order to make him make an impossible decision in the future. Frank then asks Mars what his fatal fly is. And I was like, it's clearly the stick, Frank. <laughs> it's literally physically there. It's not even. <laughs> but Mars is like, I only talk shit about my kids' friends, so I can't tell you. And then leaves Frank to fall asleep. But quite forcefully, he actually makes Frank pass out. In the morning, Frank's grandmother wakes up and tells him that they have much to discuss before the ogres attack. So chapter 35, the Lestragonians have fully surrounded the house and are starting a barbecue with grills, knives, forks. Some are confused and have brought surfboards clearly at the wrong party. They're all wearing aprons with comical things on them. And I'm like, where are they time to go shopping? Is I there love like these a, ogres. A dick sporting's good like around the corner. For ogres, specifically. For ogres, yeah. They're just simply waiting to eat Frank and his friends. Basically, Gia has told the ogres that if they eat Frank, they absorb whatever the fuck his family power is supposed to be. So they're really excited to feast on him. Delicious. I know. Power. That's not how that works. <laughs> his grandmother has sent Percy and Hazel to the attic where the weapons are kept and decides it's time to talk to Frank and eat. Hazel has made Frank his favorite breakfast, bought him a pillow and a blanket, and picked out clean clothes for him. Grandmother is horrified to learn that Frank hasn't wifed her up yet because, like, what a quality woman. <laughs> yes, the children. She's like, get on that. She's like, do it, yeah. Yeah, get married. He's like, Grandma, I'm not legal. <laughs> She's definitely not legal. grandmother gives a military debrief on their current situation while frank eats after a loud hounding it's clear that frank actually doesn't know anything about the family gift or what it is so his grandmother literally spells it out frank can literally become anything but then grandmother clarifies it has to be living sorry aaron Uh and within reason which I don't know what that means. She doesn't clarify. I'm like, what is your reason? My reason is it's, <laughs> quite unreasonable. So Is a dragon within reason? Mm-hmm. Apparently it Apparently. is. Depends on who you ask. Yeah. The more insane you are, the more things are within reason. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, that's good. I yeah. still just want to know and I will forever be confused. How does he keep his clothes when this happens? Um, Because this is for children. We can't have a nude 16-year-old running around Aaron I mean yeah just I want to know you know um it also helps if he's in a life or death situation it just eventually it's kind of like the avatar state just kind of comes out of him (laughs) anyway grandmother says you'll figure it out gotta go die and then sends him away (laughs) she's like it is my time yeah she's definitely like yeah very straightforward about it doesn't really care she's like i lived my life she's proud of him um she's kind of cold and um 
not very like any grandmother I know, especially as an immigrant grandmother. The fact she didn't cook for him is crazy to me. No. But anyway, <clears throat> chapter three. She wasn't bed dying, so yeah, I guess that might have been. Frank takes a quick shower, changes, and then goes to the attic. There he meets Ella and asks her to come to Alaska with them. With her rambled response, she suddenly switches to Latin, as she does, and spews another little prophecy. She says, To the north beyond the gods lies the legion's crown. Falling from ice, the son of Neptune shall drown. Then she says the rest is burnt. It's not a response, and Frank can't get anything else out of her. But he's got to go meet Hazel and Percy on the roof because the ogres are demanding Frank's surrender. Percy is clean and rested and holding his sword and a garden hose. Anytime the Lastragonians throw a cannonball, he summons water and detonates the sphere midair so it doesn't hit them. He I'm just explains- imagining him like sitting on like a like a porch, like a rocking chair on the porch with like just, his like, shades on, just like yeah. holding the hose. Yeah. <laughs> like very much like a suburban dad. Yeah. yeah. He explains that he can blow up the sprinkler system in the lawn and cause some confusion, but they won't have any more water pressure if another cannonball is sent their way, and it'll tear through the house. Frank has an escape plan, though. There's a plane waiting at an airfield, and he has a note from his grandmother for the pilot to take them. He's a Legion veteran, and he will help them. They have to protect Ella and take her with them. Frank is kind of realizing Ella's value and how vulnerable she also is because of her value. He tells the squad about the partial prophecy he heard, and they think that Ella at some point may have read the lost Sibylian books, which outlines the entire destiny of Rome at some point. And these books were something that Octavian had wanted back at camp, but they were burnt. So if she knows the entire history of Roman destiny, that's like pretty valuable. She at some point had encountered it, read it all, memorized it, and now can like recite it if called upon but you have to like know what to ask. Anyway, the plan is to use the sprinklers as a distraction, have Percy drive Grandma's Cadillac through the ogres and get themselves so cool. to the airfield. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, Frank tries to summon his powers, but doesn't know how or where to start. Instead, he fake gives up, climbs halfway down the ladder to the ogres who are chanting his name like he's a rock star. And instead of going all the way down, he grabs a, one of the potato launchers that they have as one of the weapons and a bunch of arrows and fires at the ogres. Apparently, starch is very bad for ogres because they all start dying. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> it distracts them for a little while, but then they start launching cannonballs and the house begins crumbling. Frank runs through the house and into the Cadillac, which is on and waiting for him. They peel out of the driveway as the house falls apart, and Frank sees a large black speck, maybe like a buzzard, flying away from the fire. And he's like, Grandma? And then he doesn't think about it anymore. I'm like, okay. Grandma? Is that you? (laughs) Is that you? He's like, oh, she said she was going to die on her own terms and she would never let herself be killed by an uh, ogre. So obviously she turned into like this bird. Logic would tell Logic, me. <laughs> yeah. They drive to the airfield and run to the plane as the Lastragonians chase them from behind. They're all alarmingly fast runners, even in their bikini apron clad <laughs> outfits. Ella is not chill about getting into the plane. She doesn't like flying things that have wings. I'm like, okay. That's logical. Sure. Sure. They can't force her to come, so Percy instead asks her to hide in the woods, and he'll have a friend from Camp Jupiter come and get her. Ella responds with another prophecy. Wisdom's daughter walks alone. The mark of Athena burns through Rome. Which is useful, but not at this moment. It also really freaks Percy out, because he, personally, Mm -hmm. he knows, you know, a Wisdom's daughter, and he's a big fan of her, so he, he starts thinking about it a lot. Anyway, she agrees to hide, and they run towards the plane. Frank is shooting arrows as they go, trying to take down ogres, and the pilots gets them into the air as they head towards Anchorage, Alaska. All right, uh, something I forgot to mention also is that Percy remembers the name of Camp Half-Blood, and Mm. um, he knows it exists, and they have a really quick discussion about the fact that Octavian has been paranoid that there's been a Greek camp that exists and that is going to destroy them and so they're like we gotta deal with it when we get back but it's inevitable they're good and all of this other stuff I also might have read ahead and this might be next chapter so we'll find out (laughs) later 
Yeah, we'll start the next yeah. episode. Like, Percy remembers. I know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like we said earlier, like, the existence of Camp Half-Blood with the real actual oracles just puts puts Octavian out of a job. Uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do some of those lightning round questions. My one that I came up with is what is the weirdest thing that you've bought on Amazon that is definitely funnier in this world where Amazon is run by Amazon warriors? Hmm. What have I bought on Amazon? Right. Too too much of too weird much. stuff. It's like usually just like household stuff. Mhm. Um I bought my desk from Amazon. Oh. So. Dang. That's it's nice cool. that they're providing me desks and place to do my homework. Yeah. Um. I don't buy anything crazy. I know mm-hmm. I've I know friends and people who have like bought like vibrators and stuff though from mm-hmm. Amazon. That would be kind of funny. I that's like kind of funny. They would put a, would support that. I think they would too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. The one I was thinking of. Um, is that I ordered uh, diapers for Peanut <laughs> because uh, context, my dog is old and pees himself a little all the time when he mm-hmm. sleeps. And so at night he wears diapers and the ones I found on Amazon have rocket ships on them. Oh, that's the Amazon. <laughs> but the idea Amazonians. of like an Amazon warrior, an Amazon warrior <laughs> making supplies. She designed them. Elder dog diapers. It's <laughs> <laughs> really funny to me. All right, my question is, if you had a photographic memory, what is something you would memorize and recite at parties? Oh, I feel like anything I'm thinking of is like something I do already, like I already kind of have memorized or I like to quote. The one that I have been just hearing on TikTok all the time that I would love to just dramatically quote all the time, but I already kind of can, is from Euphoria, the like, I'm in love with Nate Jacobs and he is in love with me. And don't you give me that look, Maddie. <laughs> Just pull it out I've of I've never, ever been happier. I would memorize something like the entire script of like the B-movie or Shrek. Oh my God. And then God. just put on a show. Maybe charge like 25 cents a head and just put on a performance. I would pay for that to see right? like a single <gasps> person do the entire B-movie. Yeah, or like a Barbie as Swan <gasps> Lake. Oh, that's good. That's it. That's yeah. you're going bigger than me. I feel like I should. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Because I memorization. Would you do the dances? I would do the dances as well because okay, um, I would have memorized it. It's important. <laughs> that's really important. And like I would choose one that has a song so that I would also sing. <laughs> but I don't have vocal talent. So it would be like I memorized it, but at what cost? You know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. But people, you could you can charge for it. You can make money for it. I think we should start this business. Yes. You quoting. <laughs> <laughs> movies. All right, our last question was sent in by Samala. If you had to swap places with one demigod, what who would you pick? Ooh. I wouldn't want to pick any of the seven because they would traumatize so much. Like I like it'd be cool in theory to be like Annabeth, but I don't wanna go to Tartarus or have to face Arachne. No thanks. Um like can I just be someone who's like chilling it'd be kind of nice to be miko he's got his oh, own but he set gets of trauma. so traumatized yeah but it'd be he's like so traumatized i'm just nico in this book in particular just mm. being sus and just his energy and energy yeah maybe ugh, i don't know honestly chiron might be kind of fun because he's kind of he's a not shit. a demigod no is that's he? true no no he's not i mean i guess chronos is his dad but he, yeah, but his mom is not a god, so, that we know of. Yeah, well, it's just Krona, he's demi-titan, I don't know. No. Um, yeah, I feel like it'd be fun to be, like, a side, a very side character, but, like, one that is still named. Yeah, but you know? sometimes they name, like the they just named to die. Yeah, yeah, not one that dies, like, the yeah. Stoll brothers, or, like, there's a, a gardener, Katie Gardner. Oh, yeah. I feel like, you know, not big enough to die. But, but needs has to be some consistent lines. enough, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Clarice. Well, no, I don't want Aries as yeah, a parent, but. 
I will say though, something that shows that I've gotten older and tireder is the fact that I'm like looking at this. I'm like, that just sounds like a lot of work. When yeah, I was younger, I'd be like, like Percy, <laughs> adventure. Let's go to war. And I'm like, now I'm like, no, please, no war. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to like, you know, I want to be involved, but not. I don't want to die. I, I don't want to go into the depths of hell. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Sweet vacation spot, Percy, but not for no, me. Not for me. I know it's your idea of romance, but I like a good movie and a dinner. Yeah. Who am I kidding, though? <laughs> it is peak romance. <laughs> it's peak romance for other people. <laughs> not to experience, personally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, that's that. Um, next time, we're going to be reading Son of Neptune chapters 37 through 44. We're going to finally get to Alaska. We're, like, getting to the end. I was looking at our, like, our, our release schedule Excel sheet, and I was like, we only have, a, because we have, uh, I have that, we only have two more episodes of this book. That's I feel so like crazy. We, it's gone really fast. It feels so much faster. Went so, it took three months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, it took eons. <laughs> I aged every single time. I have gray hair now. <laughs> Perfect. Well, if you are interested in supporting us, you can find us on Patreon. The link will be in the episode description, as well as the link to send us an audio message, too. And as a reminder, our socials are at Camp Half Pod, and our email is camphalfpod at gmail.com. And please go in and rate and review. Give us five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you listen somewhere else that allows ratings, you should do that because it's cool. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>